Everybody, we are here. We are there. We're, <laughs> We're everywhere. Doing things. We have a special guest. Yeah. Kelly Osborne is with us. Yay. Kelly's got a brand new book. It's called There Is No Fucking Secret. You said it. I did it. I said it. I'm so proud. Letters from a badass bitch. And that she mm-hmm. is. Badass bitch. You've been doing this for a long time. Like, I, I remember speaking to you about my book before I even dyed my hair purple, mm-hmm. Lavender Story, and that was seven years ago. Re- that long? Oh yeah, God. and that was seven years ago. Seriously. And then, and it was right, because that was, how long, how many years ago was first season of RuPaul? Was it nine? Nine. nine. So, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah like, set almost like a decade ago. Were you ago. on season three? No, season four. Your mother was on season three, I think. Excuse me, I think I came on the show before my mom did. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, I'm almost positive. Yeah, on I that. Think, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. And maybe you did three, she did four, and then you came back. I came back, and then I did drag you, and yes. I got to meet your sister. It was right. everything. That's right. <laughs> and I got to be in drag, and then the next day the studio burnt down, which I couldn't believe. Uh- but uh, uh, what studio? Our what, studio? Didn't someone leave a flat iron on and then all the queen's kits got like destroyed? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it wasn't a fire. It was like a all the kits sparking. melted and yeah. like and I got a call from like as each one was leaving uh-huh, and I'm like, uh-huh. so how much of a kit is gone? Uh-huh. How much is like like how much you have to remake? And she goes. Honey, it's everything. Everything is polyester. Oh yeah. my I'm like, God. Well, I you wouldn't... need the stretch fabric. Yeah. yeah. Well. Now, now the book is, is out in stores now, and there's an audio version of it. There is, yes. And so, well, what did you learn about yourself in this writing this book? It's seven years in the making. Well, it's actually seven years in the talking, four years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> if you get but who's getting specific? Yeah. If, if you know, if I'm going to get specific with it, but it. It's just, okay, there's something I wrote in there, and it's something, like, you don't realize what an impact the both of you have had on my life, Aww. in the sense that, to me, I like to think of myself as a drag queen, because they wake up every single day, and they show and tell the world who they are, knowing that they're going to walk out their front door and take a whole lot of shit from it, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they don't care, and they get up, and they do it. I learned how to do my makeup. Do you know I didn't know how to stand like a lady till I came on RuPaul's Drag Race? Do you <laughs> And you guys all went, uh-uh, honey, you do not stand like that. And every single time I have stood on a red carpet since that day, I remember, what did Rue tell me? What did Michelle tell me? Good girl. And, and I was like, because I remember I was standing there like with like with like buckled knees, like all nervous. <laughs> and you told me how to bevel and like turn one hip to the side. And uh-huh. I'm like, yes. Yeah. So it's, you know, I pay, pay such tribute to the amazing queens of this world because... They made me meet. Bless you, Polly. Sorry, my dog's here and she's That's sneezing. So What's her name? Her name's Polly Styrene. Polly Styrene. <laughs> I named her after the she's singer of X Ray Spectre. Yes, yes. And how long have you had Polly Styrene? I've had her two and a half years of blissful just dreams. She's the ha- best thing that ever happened to me. Have you always had dogs from childhood on? Yes, but I always had big dogs. Mm. And then my mom, Minnie, was actually my dog. Uh-huh. And she liked my mom better. And <laughs> I was like, fine. Yeah. And then it ended up becoming one of these things where I'm like, you love that dog more than you love your own children. <laughs> but now that I have Polly, I totally understand and don't ever, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. Hold That's your baby. Because yes. yes. I Absolutely. held a grudge with my mom over that dog. Did really? you? She got preferential treatment over all of us. Yeah, yeah. And now that's the way I am, and I get truly insulted if my mom's not nice to my dog. Not like she's not nice, but doesn't give the same attention as she does to everyone else. But Kelly, as a mother and a dog mother, Mm -hmm. sometimes the dogs are just nicer. That's true. There's no bullshit. There's no back talk. You kids are hard to raise. I'm not a kid anymore, and I wish I was, because then I could have an excuse, but I don't. (laughs) Like, each year, and I get older and older, and like, you're still I'm a like, baby, honey. I, I'm lucky because I hate the sun and I don't go in it. So it's kept... And because I'm an FFP... Like What's you an ate NFP? FFP, former fat person. <laughs> so you... <laughs> so you... I think that when you've had all that pudge in your cheeks, it yeah. doesn't have the opportunity to go down and start to wrinkle. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I think it kind of like... And with all of my chemical romance issues, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think I embalmed myself a little bit. Oh, that's nice. Not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's uh, one of the perks of... Yeah, uh, it was. It definitely was a little bit of a perk. perks of being an FFP. Yeah. FFP and, yeah. and, a, and a self-medicator for uh. so many years of your life and staying out of the sun. Right. Yeah. Are you... Are you um, in the book, you talk about all of that? All of it. You're no punches held. Nope. No shits given. This is why. I would sit here and I'd be like, Mom, Dad, or call up my publicist and say, how can these people say this about me? Have they not seen? I've been in the public eye my whole life. Have they not seen what I've been through? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you're an absolute asshole for even saying that, Kelly, because they're not living your life. They have their own problems. And people only ever pick up on your journey when you've arrived at your destination. If you want people to know who you really are, you have to be the one to stand up and tell them. Yeah, yeah. And that was what was so important to me about this book. And I, as you guys know, I'm incapable of like not telling the truth. It just comes out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, shit, why did I say that? But it was the truth, but still. And then I go through this whole like world war argument with myself in my head. And it's just... I just thought, just lay it all out there, and then people can finally make up their own minds. Yeah. So yeah. I have a question. When uh, I mean, I first I knew Ozzy of of course for yeah. Black Sabbath mm-hmm. and Crazy Train, and I mean, I wasn't even into that music, but it was so around me that yeah. you couldn't avoid it growing up in Central New Jersey. Yeah. Everything was Ozzy. Everybody was Ozzy. And everything was Rue in my life. See, D- <laughs> yeah. different generations, darling. Everything, everything was Rue. Yeah. I just, I mean. I had so many different dance routines to all of your music. Uh, Chasse. Uh, that uh, one. Uh, Every, you've no, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like me and my friends, it was just, like you were absolutely, it was like you and Boy George when I was growing up was just, like I would just look at you and think this is what human life should really be because I agree. you are beautiful in every form. I've never met two men in my life who make prettier women Oh my God, that's very and sweet. It's true. That, it, they, and for me, it like solidifies my belief on... in the fact that, that I don't believe in sexuality. I don't believe in anything of that sort. I mm-hmm. just believe in love. Yeah. But anyway, the no, po- that's great. It that's is, great. It, and it's amazing. And Boy George, I had Thank a crush on that. Boy George and Marilyn growing up. Mm-hmm. This is before oh, Marilyn, year, by the yes, way. Yes. Um, I just saw them and was like, oh, yeah. I love Who you. Was it I don't that know was why. Da- it was Daisy Marilyn and. Um, no, Gwen Stefani's ex-husband. It oh, was gave Gavin. The, Gavin Rossell. Yes, yeah. he was a he was a cage dancer back then. I remember being really, really little in London and seeing all of that go down. Yeah. I, and I became obsessed with Bliss Kids, and that's what I led love me that. 
to start like and for people who don't know Marilyn was the best friend <laughs> of boy George and uh, had the name Marilyn and yes. but uh, and actually uh, did some recording himself yes yeah and was a drag queen back then as well in a sense it was bliss. or was she just like a cluster uh, androgyphy it was it yeah. was uh, bliss and and new romantic it was so hot it was all that stuff but the point the point in me saying that was I remember Kelly coming to my consciousness really was and still to this day the first real reality show right which right. was the Osbournes. So when when they all decided to do this deal and tell you kids, what was your reaction? Because you were young, Kelly. You I was were in the a, thick of that phase. I said, this is so cool. I'm going to be on MTV. <laughs> I had no idea that the show was going to be about my family. I right. thought it was more about my mom and my dad because they're the famous ones. I was the kid. Yeah. Right. It didn't really, it didn't occur to me that it would highlight so much of my brother and mine's life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so much. Well, and then Amy chose not to be a part of it. And there's a, like people have asked like, why is there not a chapter to your sister in my book? And it, it, and I have only this to say: I love my sister more than anything in the world. She's my sister. Right. Come on, you guys, with Osborns, like we stick together through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. She requested and chose a life of privacy. And when she wants to reveal things about herself, she will. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to do that. And it's, if she's asked me not to, I would never betray her in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ever. That's sweet. So, what was the conversation like, though? I mean, did, did you talk with her before it all happened? And your your mother said, this is what we're going to do. And Amy initially immediately said, there's no way I'm going to do it. She was the first person to say, no, we were Ivy on the shore. I remember exactly what I was wearing. And I was wearing this yellow shirt that was so tight that it gave me Picasso tit. <laughs> so I had, like, four tits. And... <laughs> And I was sat there listening to them, and I nothing was really going in because I was just thinking about like the outfits I was going to put together and that I was going to be on MTV and possibly TRL and maybe yeah. go to Cancun <laughs> for spring break. Like None of it was really like a real thing. Because were you 11 years old? I was 15 when I signed 15. the contract. Okay. And, you're in the, and you're in the throes of that awkward yes, phase yes. of... I'm still trying to get out of my fucking awkward No, you're mm. out of it, girl. No, like seriously. Like mm. it, it just... You're the most awkward things always happen to me. Like I do think that I'm the modern day Bridget Jones. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Including the big underwear as well. I love it. <laughs> like, as we say, knickers, yeah. which I can't say on TV here because people think I'm saying Correct. another word. Yes. Yeah. And so, I'm like, so when your mother and father, well, your mother spoke with Amy about this. What at one point was it a deal breaker for the MTV deal? Did they? Did they? No. No. That's why I didn't think that it was about me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Because. They sat us down. They explained everything, how it was going to work, what it was going to be like, how Mm -hmm. long it was going to take, even though it took three times the time. Mm -hmm. Because they don't shoot reality the way we did. We had had two uh, crews of 12 in our house 24 hours a day, and there would be up to four crews sometimes. 24 hours a day, like Big Brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there were cameras in every room except for the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. So they knew where we were at any time. And, you know, if you don't produce moments you don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen and right. how you can edit something to be an episode and you guys were experimental we had really, no right? idea mm-hmm. what we were doing my mom took us for a walk down venice beach the night before and said what the hell have we done i think we've made the biggest mistakes of our life mm. and the next day we woke up and i was suddenly one of the most fa- famous kids in the world oh and gosh. i had no idea what the hell i did to become it right. yeah because right. that was before real world wasn't it no real no, world, real was, world first. was already there was first. Okay. but, but this... that was a different premise it was never a family right. correct that was the house and then yeah 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 and it was even that was produced like they 
you, yeah. know, you know, they sure, antagonize, yeah. they keep you awake so you're tired and yeah, yeah, you yeah. get more. I mean, yes, everyone said what you they said, no TV. one forced them, but like producers on shows like that, like it's probably one of the most awful jobs you can have because you have to bring out the worst in everyone. And right. on the Osbournes, they just let us be us. Yeah. And I think that was such a beautiful gift. How many years did it run? It ran, we did three seasons, uh-huh. but I think we started 2001 and ended 2005 because it took so long to do a season. Yeah. And with all the different things going on, like my mom's cancer and my dad coming back from the ATV accident. And I mean, I can't believe I can actually even say that now because mm-hmm. before writing this book, I couldn't speak about it. Really? And if you listen to the, the book audio, I'm crying through that whole chapter. I couldn't get through it without crying. Oh, love. But then afterwards, it was like I could breathe because yeah. I finally spoke about it. Yeah, that's what I would think in writing the book. It would be so cathartic. And, and I would think you would learn things about yourself that you didn't know before. Did you write it all yourself? You have a, a... Um, I have worked with the most incredible ghostwriter ever. That's what they call it. But yeah. Yeah. her name is Kate Williams. And what she would do is we would record and all of my conversations mm-hmm. and then we'd print it out and we'd highlight the bits and yeah. then condense it and then I would write stuff and send it back and then she would write stuff and send it back to me because my grammar's appalling mm. and my spelling <laughs> she goes what word did you mean by this word and I'll be like ah oh, sorry dyslexic <laughs> so it she helped me not ramble and keep everything really concise and it was really just so such a fun process and I think I went crazy about three times writing it. Yeah. Mm. Because it's so honest. I mean, I have a letter to my vagina. Oh, great. Did your vagina write you back? <laughs> Not yet. She's such a cunt. <laughs> she is. <laughs> oh, so the show, it felt like the show was such a phenomenon. The Osborne yes. show was such a phenomenon. You were propelled into the public eye. Uh, you were the face. Were you the first face of Ma- Madonna's material? Girl? No, Taylor Momsen was first. Oh, and right. it she had an album coming out, so she couldn't do what she was uh, supposed to do with going to meet. Because what I thought when they launched that line was incredible. Mm-hmm. In Macy's, you got to go and meet whoever the face of the brand was, whoever the face of Material Girl was, and, like, get style tips. And mm-hmm. it was really great meeting everyone one-on-one and getting fashion advice and giving fashion advice to all these incredible young women. And I think that her touring schedule got in the way of it. And then they brought me on, and I was only supposed to do, like, half a season, half mm-hmm. a collection. And then I ended up doing two full collections mm-hmm. and picking the girl that came after me. Oh, and, who, and you got to choose the girl after mm-hmm. you. And who was the girl after It was after a competition you? we did, and oh. it was amazing. And then they asked who I thought would be good next, and I said Zendaya. So Zendaya yeah. came after that. That's great. And did the and we relationship... And we were all, like, sisters. Like, we all... Like, if you were a material girl, we're like, Yeah. Uh-huh. Did the relationship with Madonna start when when you recorded Papa Don't Preach? Because you needed her approval, of right? Of course, yes. Yeah. I remember Tom being in the room and Tom Matola called her and asked her if it was okay if I could use the song. Because uh-huh. it wasn't even meant to be me recording it. It was meant to be my sister, and she didn't want to do it. She, just, she said, Kelly should do it. Amy was supposed to do it? Uh-huh. And she, she uh, said, Nope, Kelly, you do it. And I thought... All right, I've never done anything like that before. I'll try it. Uh-huh. And I went into the studio with uh, Mikey and Jose from Incubus uh-huh. and recorded the single. I'd never sang in front of anyone before. The first time I ever sang in front of people was at the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, my um, God. I, I mean, what a... That was the first time outside of a school play. Platform. That is crazy. That is the first time I ever sang on a stage in front of anybody. Were you shitting your pants? Oh, my God, my spanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it wouldn't drip. It ain't moving. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> and did you hear from Madonna about how, she, how did she like she the song? She was actually meant to be in the music video. Mm-hmm. And something happened with the schedule where she couldn't do it. But she's always been so lovely. Yeah. And my birthday is my favorite day of the year, not because it's my birthday. Mm. Because it's like my gayest day of the year. I get um, flowers from Elton, chocolates from Madonna, something from Liza, uh-huh. and some, and a message from Cher every single year. Oh and I'm like, this is the best fucking day of my life. Yeah, you're not like, kidding. No, and then and now Gaga's added to that list. So it's like, it's, a, it's, it's like my... Funnest day, it's, not because it's your, my birthday. When but is your birthday? October twenty seventh. I'm a Scorpio. October twenty seventh. She's she, a Scorpio like she's you. She's a Scorpio just mm-hmm. like me. Yeah, you're October November. 20, November seventeenth. Yeah. Seventeenth. Yeah. yeah. October twenty seventh. I need to make sure that I'm wherever you are on October twenty seventh, so I can. <laughs> you can be bask part of that. In yeah. all of that, we've got Kelly Osborne. The book is called "There Is No Fucking Secret." Hell yeah! It's out right now, and uh, we're going to take a real quick break, but we're going to be back with more Kelly Osborne born. Michelle, let's talk about Casper mattresses. You know, everywhere I go, people are talking about this. I see their advertisements all over the place. It is become, it has become the biggest mattress company on the internet. These are the mattresses that people all over the world order because they are so great. Honey, there is a reason why you see them everywhere. Damn it, why didn't we buy in early on? So I know. Could you imagine? Because honest to God, you guys, I sleep on mine every single night. Now, this I got mine, I think, two years ago already. I think so, yeah. Two or three years ago. It showed up in my door in a box. Mm-hmm. Remember, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, yeah. but there is only one original. That's right. And it is Casper Mattress. And I'm telling you guys, my life has been changed since I've had this. And I unfolded, opened that box. Pop that bitch right on my bed. Yep. Bam. And you were one of the frontier people because you were early in on yes. this. Now everybody's into it. In fact, so many great reviews. Over, so many great reviews. Um, over 20,000 great reviews, and that's according to uh, Casper, Amazon, and Google reviews. It's really fantastic. Rue and I do not talk about anything we don't believe in. I sleep on this thing every single night. I love it. My husband loves it. My children are saying, can we get one? I'm like, <laughs> no. Uh, you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Rue. Use that offer code RU. What are you waiting for? Go to casper.com today slash RU, and I'm telling you, you never ever going to regret this sleep. Sweet dreams. We're back with Kelly Osborne. Now, don't say where you live on the air, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, But you live very close to where we record. I can literally do three skips, and I'm officially in your building. Really? Yeah. And so when I was late, I was like, I have no excuse today. But it was actually because my, <laughs> be legs, late, right. my legs were sweating, and I couldn't get these red leather pants up. And I'm like, oh, shit. I didn't even finish doing my hair because I came from one thing to another, and it had it in this huge, like, um. Almost like, I would say, Teletubbies bun. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't think it would have fit your doorway. Oh, You've got so much hair. Okay, look at this. This has no extensions, right? No, her hair. She's got the thickest head of hair. I love that. This is what I call the mum cut. Slash Hillary Clinton. Uh-huh. She's parting her kind of mohawk down the, in middle. the middle. Oh, look at that. And you have no idea that my head is shaved. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's and now, true. And now everyone asks me why I shave my head. And it's because my head is too hot. Yeah, I have too yeah. much hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that your mother or father has that hair? I think it's a mix because uh-huh. your mother I mean, has a good head of hair. She, she does have a really good head. You know what I'm probably jealous of? She went white, like she didn't. She skipped gray, went straight to white when she mm-hmm. was really mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that that was going to happen to me. Even though my hair isn't gray when it's coming through now, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. bits are white. That way you can dye your hair any color. I love that. That's any color. Yeah. Yeah. Now your mother is from a show business family. Yes. Her, your grandfather is a famous. 
uh, talent agent or manager. What's what's the story? Did you ever meet him? I met him once. Uh, tell me no, about one, him. Not just once. I didn't. I. From like, Manchester, isn't he? Uh, yes, some because mm. he's Jewish and yeah. he. Look, I didn't know a lot about him uh-huh. until I was in Nate and Al's because I used to make my mom take me every Sunday uh-huh. so I could watch Judge Judy. <laughs> she would always be in there and I'm obsessed. Oh, You're yes. obsessed with Judge Judy I'm too, yeah. aren't you? Completely, yes. completely. So I used to make my mom take me every Sunday and sit to, there. To Nate and Al's in, in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills, yeah. And I can't say what this man said, but I'd never heard these two words put together before, ever. Y- your grandfather said these words? Yes, and... Next thing I knew, in front of Judge Judy, my mom picked up this huge bowl of matzo ball soup and chucked it at his head. Matzo ball soup! Oh and my. we picked, she took, she goes, come on kids, we're leaving. And then two days later, I found out that was my dra- grandfather, And but I also found out the reason why I didn't know I had a grandfather. Oh, I see, yeah. So it was a protection thing. Yeah. You just think of like, the original Suge Knight. Yes. Mm. Jewish England. Yes. That's my grandfather. Wow. And and how how much time after that did he go to Paris, so to speak? Um, my, the the best part about it is that, you know, my mom and dad were really close when, before she married my father and grew up and did her own thing. They were yeah. like because your grandfather way. managed your my, father. Yes, yes, that's right. He, he, that's how, is that how they met. My mom met my dad when she was fifteen, and he walked in wearing a pair of pajamas with a faucet for a necklace, and she Brilliant. was terrified of him. <laughs> and then as the years went on, I think they fell in love, and it just happened that way it's like a true romance i guess well i know and it was just very strange to fun- suddenly find out that i do have a grandfather but at the same time i didn't care mm-hmm. i really didn't if my mom didn't want somebody around us there was generally a really good reason as to why mm-hmm. and so your mother had but they made up at the end and my mom made... took care of him until oh, lovely. the day he passed and it was something that came full circle and I think was really beautiful for our entire family. Now, now, um, had your father been married before your yeah, mother? Yeah, I have two half-siblings. Lewis is my absolute favorite because he's the only one that still indulges with me. He'll still come out clubbing with me and let me use him as a human climbing frame and make up <laughs> dance routines. And I can do his makeup and put wigs on him and he lets me do all of that. Uh-huh. Jack, hell no. Uh-huh. Hell no. But he'll let Andy Rose and Pearl do it now. Because well, those are Jack's kids. kids yeah. yeah, He's got three kids. Two kids. Two kids. And Andy Rose, my dad can't quite get over the fact that her name is Andy Rose. So at first he called her Albert. And I'm like, Dad, <laughs> her name is Andy Rose. Okay, and, so okay, so your, your father, Ozzy Osbourne, has two kids before mm-hmm. he met Sharon Osbourne. Yeah. And so one of them is... Uh, Lewis, uh, you said? Lewis and mm-hmm. Jessica. And Jessica. And... How old are Lewis and Jessica? They're both in their 40s. Uh, I think that they ki- Jessica would kill me if I blurted out her uh-huh, uh-huh, Let's uh-huh, just uh-huh. go with 40s. Uh-huh. Yes. 40s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then um, uh, your dad met your mother. Mm-hmm. Your, your grandfather was managing Black Sabbath. And my dad got fired. And then he was technically still signed to my grandfather for management. And when my mom went to go and have him sign the You're Fired contracts, that was it. They it were inseparable. I ah. see. And she took over at that point. That yes. monstrous solo career. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and your mother really took over the family business as as artist management. For Yeah. Right now she doesn't manage me because I, 
I think that there's a certain point where, you know, a girl really needs her mum and to mm-hmm. just be her mum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a decision that was a mutual decision. It wasn't like, I don't want a momager, stage mm-hmm. mom. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, I want my best friend back. I don't want to work with you. And we both said it to each other on the same day at the same time. And it was like, oh, great. Yeah. And it's been, you know, I still go to her for everything. Sure. To, just to fact She's check. A just to make lady. Sure She's a smart that, lady. She's a smart lady. Because and she comes to me now too because there are people on my end of things that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, I'm I've separated myself because I, I want my career and I want my family. I yeah. don't want them together. I know what that's like. Fair enough. Did she have to vet your current management? I wouldn't let anybody into my life that doesn't get along with my mother. That would just be a nightmare for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> True. And if you disrespect my mom, you're out. That's yeah. just the way that it is. Now, would would your mother say that she um, that her style of management is Somewhat similar to her father. What was your grandfather's name? His name was Don Arden. Don, yes. The famous Don Arden. Mm-hmm. And he is notorious in show business. And so w- would your mother say, what qualities do you? would your mother say she got from the legendary Don Arden? You fuck with me, I'll cut your cock off. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get something, let it be that. <laughs> Because my mom plays real fair. Yeah. And she's real generous to everyone. Yeah. And she starts every deal, you know, making sure that everybody gets what they deserve. Mm-hmm. And throughout that process, if you don't... And, and, you know, she'll bend to their rules, too. It's not all on her side. Mm-hmm, she doesn't mm-hmm, work like that. Mm-hmm. You'll never succeed if, you, if you, you're not open to compromise in any way. Mm-hmm. But because she's in pretty much invented... So much of the things that even like on a Justin Bieber tour they do now. Mm-hmm. Didn't your mm-hmm. mother manage a Smashing Pumpkins? Smashing Pumpkins. Um, God, she's managed so many different bands. Big, the huge Choir bands. Boys. Uh, tour ELO. Mm. ELO. Really? Mm-hmm. Jeff Lynne. Do you know that my mother worked on Xanadu? What? She's credited under her maiden name, but yeah, my mom worked on Xanadu. What too. did she do on Xanadu? Um. She was managing ELO at the time? Yes. So oh, my God. I that... think she did something with the music, and I think she did something with... Uh, they came to her for um, advice on how to style certain things right, and right. how things should look. In, yeah. Like, they did the same thing with Almost Famous. Like they, right. Really? Yeah. They right. sat her down, they were like, what was the backstage like? And I remember being in these meetings and had no idea what they were talking about. I'm like, Mom, who's Almost Famous? Uh-huh. Like, who are they on about? Uh-huh. had no idea it was a movie. What do you think your biggest, um, the, the biggest thing you've you've gotten from your mother? What quality that your mother has do you think that you've been able to inherit? To be proud of who you are, and this is something Joan Rivers said too, to never apologize for who you are. And if you work hard, you have good manners, and you know how to clean, there is nothing that can stop you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know how to clean? My mom's first job was... One of her first jobs was a house cleaner. But her father was this rich... Yeah, but he wasn't giving her anything. Huh. They didn't talk for a long time, too. No, but even when... like they, He made her work for it. Uh, and my parents yeah. did the same with me. Yeah. And so that was something... I mean, I remember being like six years old and my mom teaching me like separating white and how you use bleach properly and like mm-hmm. never touch the iron yet because I wasn't old enough, old enough to learn how to use the iron. And mm-hmm. just... It was manners, etiquette being able to present yourself mm-hmm. and always being appreciative and grateful for where you are because yeah. you never know who anybody is. Right, right. Yeah. You don't. And yeah. that same person that you are talking to 
in a parking lot that you have no idea could be the CEO that's signing your next contract. That's right. The PA on any show could possibly be the head of the studio. Yep. Next showrunner. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. like undercover boss. Like you, you honestly yeah. don't know. Right. No, it's true. It's so, true. And, and because of that and because of growing up on the road with my dad and seeing so many and being exposed to so many different cultures and races and ways of life and countries, it it made me realize you know, everybody's different and that's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the idea of wanting to be like somebody else never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. I have never known what it feels like to fit in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The closest thing... Who that... wants to fit in, Kelly? I don't know. Mm. I really don't. But the closest thing I've ever known what it's like to feel like completely safe as it has been in the gay community. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. not gay. Mm-hmm. So it, it's one of those things that, you know, I... It's the only world I found for myself where I was allowed to be me. And whatever me I was, I was accepted. I wasn't like anyone else. I don't know anyone really like me. Mm -hmm. But I used to think that was a bad thing. And I don't anymore. I think it's a great thing. I love that. And you talk about that in the book. Yeah. And I think that everybody is a unique, beautiful, individual human being is whether or not they can find it within themselves to be brave enough to show that to the world because that takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of bravery, but also, you know, you have to know to do that. You have to know that um, uh, that, th- that there is a way to overcome that, that uncomfortable feeling. Did you grow up with therapy and all that stuff? Oh, they tried, but oh, Mike... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to pay. Have my mom pay you this much money to ask me how I feel about that? So you weren't. What? What did I just say that I'm supposed to have a feeling about? That's why I'm. Ho- I'm here. I don't understand. Uh huh. How do you feel about that? I'm like, well, obviously I'm pissed off <laughs> because you're not giving me an answer. This is talking in riddles. But I do have an incredible therapist now, and I do believe that anybody who isn't in therapy is crazy. How'd you find this therapist? Uh. You want to know the truth? Mm. I went into my uh, doctor uh, after sa- going to see all of these because I believe women should stay with women and men should stay with men. Mm-hmm. Because you mean doctors in doctor, yeah, uh. because yeah, doctors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my god, that yeah. could have been so wrong. <laughs> oh no! With, when it comes to doctors, because there are certain body parts that that if you don't have them, yeah. you don't understand it. Like you, you, I can't sit there to. Even if he is gay and sit there and be like, you know, like when you've had a thong on for a really long time and you start to get really itchy, like uh, between your legs, that bit between your vagina, uh-huh. they're like, no. <laughs> so I, I, and I found that everyone was really into the Hollywood thing. Uh-huh. So I went to my doctor and I said to her, please, I need a therapist who will tell me when to shut the fuck up mm. and who is not a skinny Caucasian blonde mm. in La Boutons uh-huh. that I know I just paid for. Right. Right. To ruin my life. Yeah. Right. So she stuck me with this tough woman who whipped me into shape, who taught me stuff. She gave me a book to read that changed my life. What was the name of the book? It's called Facing Codependence by Peer Melody. Mm. And I love Peer Melody? Peter. Pia. Peter Melody. Pia. Like um Pia, like uh-huh. Pia, Pia Sidora. Yeah. And the name is... Uh, uh, Facing Codependence. By Pia... Melody. Melody. And her, her books, I think, are so incredible. And even if, you're, if you don't suffer from addiction in your family or anything like that, it teaches you about the role that you were given in your family and how to break that cycle and be the person you are rather than 
who they've told you to be. Right. And how it is a vicious cycle and it is a form of abuse and it keeps happening and in, it, it's almost in every single family in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And once I found the key to that, it was like the key to Pandora's box for me. Like I was just like, I understand this now. I can put my life into perspective. I see how selfish I was. I see how that actually wasn't my fault. I mm-hmm. see how... It's okay just to be me. I don't want to be anyone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would be like, please wake up and have Ru- RuPaul's legs. Please wake up. Honey, <laughs> I, mean, I please, still please, pray please, for please. that every day. And it never happened. No. It never happened. As I'm like squeezing these red leather pants and being like, please, tomorrow, can I have his fucking legs? It's <laughs> like, never going to happen. Keep praying. So, how long have you been with this therapist? I've been with her for seven years. Seven years? That's a long time. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you know how I know she's a real good therapist? Uh. She's been pregnant twice during the whole time I've been with seeing yeah. her. Yeah. And because I only ever looked at her in the face, I never knew she was pregnant. <laughs> so when she told me that she was going on maternity leave, I was like, I did. Are you, what? I had no, I was like, am I that selfish that I didn't notice she was pregnant? I wish I looked like, like that. Like proper pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. Uh, and and how, you, how often do you see her? Um, I. At least once a month, mm-hmm. but I try and do once a week because I, it's weird. Like I have to tell her everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because if I don't tell her everything, I'll tell the wrong person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to get that kind of non-biased, doesn't know any of my friends, doesn't know any of my family, yeah. is an actual trained medical professional who isn't afraid to tell me, you know, get off your ass and do something. Yeah. It, it's, I need that. It's magic. It really is magic. And it's. Uh, I wish everybody had the opportunity to have that because talk about growth and talk about being able to look at yourself with a perspective that uh, you otherwise wouldn't have. It's like looking, like it's beyond looking in a mirror. It's like looking in a side mirror that sees angles that... It's like the bird's eye point of view of yourself. Yes, yes. And I think it's something that I have to say that's really important to me is that I am so over the way that the world and media and social media and people are sanitizing us. Mm-hmm. We have stopped caring about other people. People have stopped caring about people. They only care about that fictitious person they're putting up on their Instagram or Facebook wall that they have manipulated and changed mm-hmm. into someone that's not them. Right. It's terrible and for the kids out there, that's it, for it's sure. It's so much pressure. Yeah. And people don't realize once something's out there, you cannot get rid of it. That's yeah. right. You cannot get rid of it. I yeah. am so lucky that this happened after yes. my bad years because I would have been in prison for sure. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But it's... you know They'll I'm, find out eventually. They will learn They will learn the lesson. Because, the hard way. The hard way, but unfortunately. there is no such thing as perfection, you guys. No. There isn't. And there's no. never going to be. And all you be. can do, and I have two teenage daughters, and all I do is talk about it, prove it, show it wipe the cataracts out of their eyes and mm-hmm. let them see what the real world is mm-hmm. and you'll do that when you have children if you have children and you'll do it amongst my your parents peers my parents did that with me and I yeah. think that's probably why I was such a cynical little shit because I'm like I know how you did that I know who did your makeup yeah. to get you yeah. that. that's kabuki face right there right. like I know like which designer <laughs> down to which seamstress did the hemline because yeah. of everybody that yeah. I've been so lucky to work with from like me hot glue gunning you know, yeah. Yeah. the clothes for Heatherette sure. upstairs in their office in the Empire State Building when they joined with FUBU, the company. Yeah. So it was like FUBU in one office and all the queens in the next office in the Empire State Building. Well, I want to talk about that because we're going to take a real quick break. But you've seen this. You've, your reality is behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And that 
coming, reconciling those two worlds in yourself and not becoming bitter or cynical or any of those things, that must be quite uh, an interesting balancing act. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And at first it wasn't. But then I started to find the positive in it, in the sense that, like, the negative would be like, how dare he have better legs than me? Or how dare <laughs> how that very dare. be so perfect? <laughs> how very how dare. Very how dare. I mean, I'd be like, this is so unfair. But <laughs> at the same time, these are the people that took me in, showed me how to do my makeup, showed me that I had to shave my legs. So, <laughs> well. I, you know, I learned almost everything I know about beauty from the gay community. Yeah. yeah. Almost Oh, honey, most of the queens I know don't shave their legs. So. Well, you, you know. got some good ones. They just yeah. wear four pairs of stockings <laughs> to hide that shit. Because when they're off, they want to get laid. And a lot of times they can't when they got smooth legs. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a real quick break. We've got Kelly Osborne. The book is called There Is No Effing Secret. Hellier. We'll be right back after this. You know, Michelle, when I was in New York uh, a few weeks ago, I got to see Sunset Boulevard. With and Glenn? I, with Glenn Close. Fabulous. And I used my Today Ticks to get the tickets. You, you know, first of all, sidebar, Glenn Close. I was wondering why she wasn't nominated for the Tony. And I realized because she won already. She won for the same <laughs> role already and you can't win again. Dang it! Yeah. It was so easy. The Today Ticks uh, representative was right out front of the theater, gave me my tickets. I got great seats. George loved it. It was fantastic. I wish everybody had this app. And actually, everybody can have it. Yeah, just download it because it's free. It's Today Ticks, T-I-X. It's red and white. You'll see it. I fell into this by accident when I was in New York City and I found it and that's when I was screaming to you yes. I told you about it yeah. um, I went to go see Hedwig and I was like what's this app I'm going to try it uh-huh. it was the e- when Rue is not kidding it's the easiest thing you go there a half hour before the show the person in the red jacket is out in front of the marquee you meet them you say oh my name's so and so they give you your tickets they're always incredible seats I am going to use it in London mm-hmm. where I'm going to go hopefully see a, a bunch of shows when I get there mm-hmm. um, so and you get up the best part is you get up to 50% off the ticket price yeah which yeah. is really amazing London New York, Seattle, San Francisco, it's Philadelphia. Chicago. Yeah. It's crazy. This is what the modern age I imagined in my head when I was a yeah. kid. This we're here. This we're is there. It. This no is more it. waiting online at those other places. I'm telling you, this is the way to go. Just like Rue says, today takes gives you access to insider deals and these exclusive offers. So you can get up to 50% off in just a few taps. Today Ticks, it's like they're gonna offer our listeners $20 off their first purchase with the offer code. What? Are you? You guys download the Today Ticks app for free on iOS and Android today. TIX or visit todayticks.com to see what's playing this week. Treat yourself to a show. I'm telling you, when you go on it, you don't even know half the shit that's playing. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I catch up with what's going on in broad on Broadway or even here in LA. Yes. Um, I, I get to see what's there because it's all like a scroll and you get to see the plays you want to or shows you want to want to watch. Best you know? thing ever. I Thank love you it. so much, Today Ticks. It's todayticks.com. Offer code are you. Okay, we are back with Kelly Osborne. The book is no fucking, there is no fucking See, Why did you choose this title for the book? Okay, a couple of reasons. First, people would come up to me and say, oh my God, what's your secret? Uh-huh. Like, how are you not like a fat, hot mess anymore? <laughs> I'm like, um, okay, how many backhanded compliments can you give me before you knock me out? Oh my God. But 
I'd be like, what do you mean? I have no secret. If I had one, if I really did have a secret to taking away that pain of not feeling like you're good enough or not feeling pretty or not feeling like you could even get out of bed in the morning and give that to somebody, I'd give it to the world for free and take not a penny for it. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to ever feel that way. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, are you kidding me? How did you not see how long this took? Like I was mm-hmm. the definition of a Hollywood cliche hot mess mm-hmm. somehow. I got myself out of it thanks to, you know, the love of my family and the support from my friends and the incredible people who did help me along and the way. And your inner strength. That I finally woke up one day and was like, as my dad says, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I have one life and I can make a difference in this world and I can do something with myself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I want to. And it took a long time to want to, though, because there's the, the point of wanting to and then there's the doing it. Yes. Yeah. And both it sounds really simple but it is not so you make up your mind and that's like a huge battle and then like taking that first step forward into what you want to do yeah it's so scary then the book the secret really bothers me because it's one of my favorite books Mm -hmm. ever written Mm -hmm. but it's not a fucking secret dude it's it's, it's not a secret if you're a good person who thinks positively and you your intention and you work hard and you do good things, good things will happen to you. I don't mm-hmm. understand how that's just not, you know. Well, that's the whole thing. The secret is not a secret. No, it's not a secret. It's, what happens is people forget. I think everybody suffers from amnesia. You know, in the book uh, Animal Farm, the whole mm-hmm. gist of the book is that people forget. They forgot why they had a revolution in the first place. Yep. And they we for- are right back in Animal Farm all we over certainly again. Are. I just saw that uh, animals, whatever it is, uh, the billboard on Sunset, mm-hmm. you guys, and I thought, why has there not been an Animal Farm live action? Like it could be really powerful it could because be really right powerful. now yeah. it really. I I've heard through the grapevine that that's been in the works for a few years now. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Makes because sense. of the political change, I think that they have to now more them. than ever, honey. Mm-hmm. But they have to be very careful and clever about how they write. No, it. they don't. Yeah. They just need yeah. to just do and it. And some people will just never get it. I love you. No, they don't. <laughs> just they fucking do it. Fucking There's do a it. lot of people. Look at the Handmaid's Tale. Is anybody watching that? No, uh, uh-uh. bitch. It is my second person who's blowing. told me that it's the most amazing thing. It is mm. my, so. What it is? Look, this is about you, but let me just talk about it since mm-hmm. we're talking about. Um, it's Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men, who I love. Um, She's such a great actress, fantastic actress. But what it is is, uh, do you know my favorite thing though? She ever did was the Advil or leave commercial for the headache migraines because oh, really? I'm like, oh my god, that's fine. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. So I always have like, the weird like connections yeah. that I find through people, and uh-huh. then I get my obsessions. Like it's so yeah. weird. <laughs> so the idea with the Aleve girl uh-huh. is that um, so it's it's a dystopian. Yes, exactly. You know? yeah. And basically, it's everything that's happening now. So women yeah. no longer have rights. Mm-hmm. They can't vote. They can't be. They. It's the upper echelon yes. of now the people that matter and they have these handmaids for the wives that can't get pregnant and mm-hmm. procreate mm-hmm. they have these women in, stationed in these each houses that are just there to birth their babies mm-hmm. and they rip the families apart it's it, that it's, really did happen though and it's unbelievable I have you're mm-hmm. gonna get me like mm-hmm. yeah I'm just watch there. it. Watch I was, it. I was trying to like get my TV and to Harlots work is great night. too, but it's is a it? British. This is fun. Uh, uh, yeah, Harlots, right? So now, you know, in 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 sort of breaking through, what things, Kelly, did you have to make sure that you erased from your life? Because you know, everybody has greatness in them, but what happens is we have these this blockage that is mm-hmm. placed there by family or misconceptions. What it's everybody the, in your life that does it to you. Uh, yeah, because, well, and it's also you. But you know what, what I'm saying? Like, you within, because... Drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, because yeah. just like when you hear something enough about yourself, you yeah. start to believe it. 
it works the same way if you tell yourself something enough, you start to believe it. Mm-hmm. Right. And to, to flip that and turn it into a positive. I get to pleasantly surprise someone every single day of my life because they think I'm going to walk into a meeting or walk into wherever I'm going when I leave my apartment. And they think of me as... Because people judge you on their first impression. Mm-hmm. That is Money. A, you get mm-hmm. one chance you get one to chance. make... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every single day I get to change somebody's mind. Mm-hmm. And every single day I get to prove that their perception of me was wrong. And that is such a delight for me. Because not only is it like an ego thing and a little like anarchist, sorry, anarchist inside of me, it's like, ha ha, fuck you. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, see, you were wrong. And if them seeing that about me, imagine how they can do that with other people in their sure, life. Yeah. yeah. So when that anarchist voice comes up, how do you circumvent it? How do you, uh, what, what's the dialogue you have with it to sort of push it away? How can I turn this into something positive and humorous rather than something that's just cunty? I mean, what do you mm-hmm. do in those moments that you can't say that? My face does. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I can't. It, it'll just be like, yeah. My face just says it. And I think everyone in my family suffers from that. Yeah. So, you know, I might freeze it so people think I'm nicer. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's just, you're not in, look, as long as you go through this life and your intention is good and you're good to other people and you respect the people who have come before you and you listen and hear what people are saying. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know you you you're on your way there people yeah. don't listen people don't hear people want to be perfect there is no such thing and i think that's why a lot of the time people feel such aggression towards me because they can't figure me out mm-hmm. but maybe you're a precious they're... little angel that's what people, people don't feel understand. aggression they... towards you no you're oh, the sweetest yeah. little thing hmm. why why jealousy i mean i'm I don't know. I think jealousy is one of the most disgusting human traits somebody but it's, has. But it's very prevalent mm-hmm. everywhere we go, especially in Hollywood. Yes. And I think when we're women who are fighting for equal rights, then we need to start supporting other women before we're going to do that. Amen. Yeah, but, you know, having said that, there is a built-in sort of, uh, not je- envy, a built-in envy with uh, with women who who have a sort of a, a chip in in their heads to say I got to get that man and that man is going to validate me and they they might That's even not be conscious of, of, of codependency. It. Yes, yes. That's but, all part of it and explains all of that in the book I was telling that you book. about. But how you know to get past that, especially if it's implanted in your head, and it is very very difficult. It you is. don't even know you're doing it to other women. But well, it's it also happens, the thing of this is that. You have to work so hard to get that job yeah. in Hollywood yeah. that you're like, I'm here now. There is no way right. some other bitch is going to come take my place. Right. Correct. So you build this natural like defense mechanism. But what I learned, and people have called me and said, hey, we want to get rid of this person. They don't know, know it yet. Will you fill in for her? Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely not. I don't take jobs from other women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does she know? Does she not know? And they'll be like, no, she doesn't know. I'm like, then... Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Which is the best way to be. And I always say this when I do little speeches and when I do, you know, lectures. Mm-hmm. If women have that envy thing come up or jealousy thing, we're all, 
I think we're all born with it because it's mm-hmm. the way society has ingrained in our brains mm-hmm. the way we need to be to claw to get to the top. Mm-hmm. I think there's a difference between a hard worker and a hustler and somebody who's clawing their way to the top. There's a difference, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I always I say no to women, that, mm-hmm. me, me neither, darling. Mm-hmm. And the way I see it is if you see something that you want that somebody else has, maybe not belong to them, but you know, on that landscape, then the reason you're jealous is because you need to look inside and work harder. So if you see something that you want and you're not getting it, work harder and get it. And yeah, that's you know, what it comes down but to. But here in L.A., especially a company town, it's feast or famine. Even driving down the street, like I'll, I get up very early in the morning and I'll go put gas in my car. And I'm you driving. driving a car now, not your bike? Uh, no, well, I That's do only both. in New York, really, I do right? Both. No, do... no. When I used to live... Um, Right near where Basics Cafe is on yeah. Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. Every single day from my balcony, I would watch Rue. Yeah. Do you still I, ride here? I, I still ride my bike. Yeah. I know I you do in New York. Sheekest of suits. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, oh my God, that man is so hot. And That's then a given. this is like unreal. <laughs> well, you know, I, I will ride my bike early in the morning. I'll go drive and to that's get when I saw you because I used to go there to get the blueberry muffins in the morning before they were all sold out. And blueberry? Then, I love them. They're yeah. so good. <laughs> at oh. where, where do you Basics get them? Cafe. At Basics, right. And you would drive and you ride past me and I'm always be like, ah. <laughs> I didn't realize you I felt like they built the bike lane in on Santa Monica Boulevard <laughs> just for you because it wasn't there before. It wasn't. I'm scared to ride on a major road like that. Yeah, it is like scary. those city bikes that they have. It's uh-huh. scary. Because the front of them are really heavy and I have fallen off of them so many well, times. most people that rent them don't know how to ride bikes either. Right. And it's, they don't know how to obey the laws. Well, it, it's, it's especially treacherous here because of the crazy drivers and I was that's what I was going to say is that there's a ruthlessness to people in cars here and I'd be driving down the street at say 5 o'clock in the morning no other cars on the street but there would be a car that would come and stop and then jet out in front of me rather than waiting for me to go by because there are no other cars. they got to beat you. But they're always in the feast or famine mode and there's all here in LA and everyone. I'm going to get that faster than you. Exactly. Or the the fact that if I don't do it now I'm going to miss my chance. So your idea of being conscious and working harder and making sure that other women that you're lifting other women up that's great on paper but you know if you're in the feast or famine that ruthless mode that people are in it's very difficult to yes. break the and a lot of people don't even know they're doing it correct and uh, you know me you've known me for 25 years and you know that that's my mentality by nature because I am a hustler and because I came from nothing mm-hmm. I've always been a feast or famine bitch I'm gonna get it but I learned a long time ago that the negative way around it does not no. pay mm-hmm. off in the end right. so there are moments where I have I'm seething with envy and jealousy. Still, mm-hmm. to this day, I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with it if you don't act out on it. Mm-hmm. What it does is make me go, okay, why, tell me, because I am conscious or I try to be conscious, can't, I, I, you know, I do my best. There are moments Everyone where I sit back. Moments, yeah, yeah, there are moments mm-hmm. I sit back and I go, okay, why am I feeling this? And what is it about them that I'm jealous or envious of? And like you say all the time, they become my teacher. They're teaching me what it is that I need to work on myself mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. So, through you and working on my consciousness, that has come. It's not easy. You're you're right. It's the hardest thing in the world to sit back and go, oh, I'll just change me. Mm-hmm. If we were all able to do it, it'd be done. We'd be a perfect society. But if it brings consciousness yeah. to you, then, you, then you're one step ahead. But then there's the flip side of that, of when you've been doing something for so long yes. that's associated with you and it's your shtick and yes. your career and how you pay your bills. And then all of a sudden, someone has just taken that from you and acted as though it's their original idea. Mm-hmm. And get all the credit for it. You're like, do you not 
understand how much blood, sweat and tears went into what I just have been doing for the last however many years. And that happens and then, every day in this town, Kelly. Every day. Every day. And you just take it and take all the credit. Yep. Whereas that's why every single time I'm inspired by someone, I let everybody know where I got my inspiration from and how I learned about it. Because the people that came before us are why we were allowed to be who we are today. Mm -hmm. I love that. Now, we're going to take a real quick break, but that's a perfect segue when we come back. I want to talk about Joan Rivers because uh, talk about having drive and being being driven. Uh, she is the poster child for that still to this day. So we've got Kelly Osborne. We'll be right back after this. Let's talk about Casper mattresses. They have revolutionized the mattress industry. You know, all these places, you know, you, you go to a department store, you go to these mattress stores. Yep. They are so marked up. It's crazy. They make it impossible for anybody to get a good night's sleep. Well, Casper mattresses has changed all that. And I know you know that. Uh, because I sleep on it every single night. It's changed my life. And I've told you this before. And anybody that listens to what Satie knows, I have paid thousands of dollars for mattresses thinking, oh, I have to pay more money because that's a better mattress. Right. And I need to have good sleep. And you start panicking. And so you're like, I don't care. I'll put it on my credit card and pay it off. Yeah. Don't worry about my rent. I need a new mattress. <laughs> but not with Casper. They're not a fan of that business model at all. And neither are we. They're revolutionizing the mattress industry, you guys. By what? They cut the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms. And they pass those savings on to you guys. They are so amazing. And what I love about them is I've, I've stood there. Uh, at mattress places, and I don't know if you have before. And it's like, do I get the Tempur-Pedic? Uh-huh. Do I get the coil? Do I get the latex? This is a hybrid of all those things. Yeah. Not them nasty coils that are gonna poke you in your back. Uh-huh. It's a perfect hybrid of this latex foam, memory foam, and the Tempur-Pedic feel. It you literally sleep in your beautiful mattress. And the best part, too, aside from the great cost, is that it is designed, developed, and assembled right here in the U.S. of A. Yes. It is a great product. I tell you right now, go and get you a, a Casper mattress. They are so confident, you guys, in the quality of their mattresses that they have a risk-free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery in the U.S. and Canada and painless returns. If you don't like it, they're going to take it. They're going to pick it right back up, 100% risk-free. I am telling you, go to Casper.com today and get $50 toward any mattress purchase right now. Casper.com slash RU. Use that offer code RU. Terms and conditions may apply. That's Casper.com slash RU. So get started today. We are back with Kelly Osborne. She's got a brand new book out. It's called There Is No Fucking Secret. <laughs> she lets it all out in this book. It's available right now at, at Amazon.com. There's an audio version that's available. Now, Kelly, you worked with Joan Rivers for so many years. I, so many years. I had a 25-year friendship with her. Oh, because she knew your mother before. She, my very first, One of my very first on-camera interviews was with Joan Rivers for a Father's Day special Aww. for the Joan Rivers show. Right after all the stuff happened with, with her Johnny husband, Carson oh Johnny Carson, right? And she yeah. got her own show. Yeah, it was so. I mean, she looked so eighties. We all looked so eighties. And throughout the whole interview, I'm yawning, scratching my vagina, and <laughs> every time my dad told a lie, being like, "That's not true," <laughs> like, oh, like the worst thing ever. You were a baby. I was six. A and, baby, actual and, baby. Like, yeah. Can, yeah, I was six years old, and then to get the phone call. I mean, we'd, we'd worked together. I got a Golden Coat Hanger Award from her in, like, 2002, <laughs> something like that. And we'd been at the same events and worked. I'd seen on the red carpet, done shows with her. Mm-hmm. So when she called me to do Fashion Police, I didn't know it was Fashion Police. Mm-hmm. And she said, hey, my Kelly, my darling. <laughs> and I, I'm like, 
hi, Joan. I didn't believe it was her. I thought someone was pranking me. Uh-huh. And she said, do you want to be on my new show? And I went, yes. And I didn't know that it was Fashion Police. Uh-huh. They had, and this is what we're talking about with girls who don't like other girls doing well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Apparently they had auditioned like 300 girls for my spot. Mm. And Joan hated all of them. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I did me. not audition, nothing. Mm-hmm. I get this phone call. I didn't even know it was about fashion. And which was I was so excited about. Yeah. Once I did find out, and it just ended up changing my life. She changed my life. Why do you think she um asked you? To this day, I still have no idea. Because mm, it was it was a perfect match. I, th- I mean, I think that it's one of those rare gifts in life that you get. It's a one in a billion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it happened with me and her, and her family became my family. Like Melissa, I call her Missy. Mm-hmm. And Cooper, grandson, like they just, they, they were my second family. Mm. I'd never had people believe in me the way my mom and dad did outside of my mom and dad before. Yeah. I well, mean, of course, Louis Van Amstel, Dancing with the Stars, he uh-huh. changed my life. But then when it came to like career and, and moving me forward to what I want to do and who I want to become, Joan was that person. She was the grandmother I never had and always wanted. She taught me so much. I mean, I would come into work, I'm not joking. The first thing we do was lighting tests and then go into hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. And people don't know that. By the time we stopped taping the day of Fashion Police, she'd been awake for 24 hours. Yeah. Plus. And yeah. we would have to get there at 4 in the morning, lighting test, 4 a.m. And I'd walked in there, no makeup, just like hair in a bun, just got out of the shower and brushed my teeth. So I think I might have just had a robe on because I'd go to work in my mm-hmm, robe and mm-hmm, leave whatever mm-hmm. they put me in. Mm-hmm. And she goes, mmm. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. She goes, someone had naked fun time last night. And I'm like, how did she know? How did she know? She knew she could read me like a book. And I would sit there like so nervous. But she also knew that if she dared me to do something, I would do it. Uh Because I would do anything for her. I would do anything for her. She pranked me all the time. Everybody in this room would do anything yeah. for her. She, I mean, I ate food out of her mouth on live TV. <laughs> oh like, my God. I mean, because she knew that if she dared me to do it, I would do it. We had, we weren't allowed to speak during the week because uh-huh. uh, Melissa, Missy banned us from doing it. She's essentially our boss. We called yeah. the HBIC head bitch in charge because she didn't want us speaking during the week so that when we sat down yes. together yes. to tape live, yeah. we had, it was all fresh. Sure. And yeah. not rehearsed. Uh-huh. So me and Joan set up secret email accounts so that we could talk. Oh, my God. Which was one of the hardest things to stop having and waking up to after she'd passed. It was really, really hard for me. But also, again, writing this book allowed me to talk to her without having about her yeah. and talk to her without having fuffy lip. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't believe anyone's ever really gone. No, I, I, I'm right there with you. No, the energy exists they're never forever. Really gone. They're, they're, yeah. they're, if they've made an... In, print on your life they're there with you forever yeah and she just she she made me believe in myself in a way like I, I had never been able to do so before and I felt like I'd lost my purpose in life after she passed mm. but to turn again such a fucking negative into a positive is that it made me fight to find my purpose again mm-hmm. and that I can't sit here and think about the past because she never did Mm -hmm. and that I have 25 years that I can say remember when with with one of the most Uh, incredible women in the entire world and if it wasn't for her none of us would be in this room right now you're right you're right none of us would be in this room right now Beyonce Knowles would not be the independent woman 
getting all the single ladies together because she is the woman that paved that way for all of us. Yep. Listen, when I hit the scene, she I opened for her in her act more than any other person ever. I saw you in Atlantic City. She loved you, Rue. She, she hired me to open. I, I opened for her at the Concord Hotel in the Poconos. Shut up. You I did certainly the Concord. Did. I did the Concord. Oh, my God. I did uh, Atlantic City with yeah, her. She told me all about Atlantic City. <laughs> yeah. I did um, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, opened for her there all over the United States. And, you know, I, I was always, I was always, I always wondered why she was so driven. I have an idea of why she was so driven. But um, what do you think it was, Kelly? What, what do you think made her do a job, like, up for 24 hours? She'd come from a gig, I'll go to do a TV exactly show. exactly why. Because everyone told her she couldn't and that she was a woman. And she taught me, just like my mom did, to never apologize for who you are. And if someone says you can't do something, you do it to prove them that you just can. Mm -hmm. And she never wanted an empty day in her schedule. Every single night she had dinner with one of her friends from somewhere. Mm -hmm. She was one of the only women ever allowed in the House of Lords. She was friends with everyone from the royal family to, I mean, there was no one (laughs) that Mm -hmm. Joan didn't know and that didn't love her. Mm -hmm. And people may have had, you know, ideas of the kind of person she was, but she was the most loyal, generous, incredibly polite lady, hardworking. Like, she wanted to set her life up so that when she left this world, that women had more rights, that people knew how to laugh, and that her family would be looked after forever. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show what kind of a woman what, she is. And, and she I accomplished loved, it. Oh, yes, she did. And then some. What I loved about Joan was... She still, the, by the way, she still, me and her would steal shit from everywhere. <laughs> steal oh, she, she talks yes. about that too. Oh my God, the stuff that she would make me hide up my skirt and like <laughs> put between my knees and walk out because I had a really long dress on. And I, they're like, why are you walking with such tiny steps? I'm like, I'm clenching a fucking ashtray between my thighs. <laughs> yeah. So can we just get out of here quicker? Or like, like the, the, always... Everywhere we went that was somewhere fancy where you shouldn't take something, uh-huh. she'd be like, put this in your bag. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And she talked about stealing the sweet and lows. Because oh, she's, do you know that I still have my see? set bag filled yeah. with sweet and yeah. low? Oh she always used to talk God. about, so listen, in radio, Joan didn't give a shit. Nobody cares about radio anymore, right? Mm-hmm. She would, every single time, her publicist, who I loved, thank Judy, I can't remember. She was amazing with her forever. Every single time I was on a new radio station, they'd find me, they'd hunt me down, they'd seek me out uh-huh. and say, Joan wants to be on with you. That's the incredibly gracious woman. She loved, she, other, loved, she wanted to help other women. She if you, was fucking if you awesome. notice this about any female comedian, they always start by, you know, Joan Rivers, she was my best friend. Right. And then half of them, I'm like, if I didn't meet you, lady, I don't think you were her best friend. Uh-huh. But you can say that she influenced, because that's like a, a big thing to yeah. say. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but she always would talk yeah. about yeah. stealing the sweet and low from every restaurant oh, she went to. you should hear about the stuff she stole from Buckingham Palace. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. And shut the up. stuff that she, I mean, you've not, like, I'm not even. No, you're not even joking. You. So one of the last things I ever stole from her were her. <laughs> For her? No, from her. Oh, from <laughs> Was that, I was like, you know, I, I just have to do this in honor of you was at her wake. I stole all her monogram towels and shoved them up my dress. Oh my, God. my goodness. And, I love it. And put them, and not all of them, it was like a, a washcloth and a hand towel because that was like the only thing that would like fit up. It's a set. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but I still have it and 
it's like not touched. No, it's just and of course every. I mean, I called Melissa and told her I did it because I couldn't live with yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. Because the only t- I, I, I don't need steal stuff for Joan. Yeah, I wouldn't take it for anyone else. <laughs> She's the only person I've ever stolen for. Oh. It's crazy, but. Oh. Yeah, she could get, Joan could get me to do anything. Every nice hotel. I mean, I'm not lying when I say to you, she'd be like, how big, I get a text message from, or an email from the email address. And she'd say to me, how big is the dress you're wearing tonight? How long is it? How long is it? <laughs> and I'd be like, uh, to the knee, to the knee. And she's like, change. So I'd send her a picture and she was great. I'd be walking like with something right here and walking like this uh-huh, with uh-huh. my knees together and my feet like barely making a step. Yeah. It would take like 20 minutes to walk out oh of a lobby of a hotel. Goodness. But tell oh us about goodness. the Buckingham Palace story. I want to hear about that. Um, the Buckingham Palace one was an ashtray. I wasn't there. But actually that day, which is something so special and I'm so happy that M- Melissa still has this for Cooper, um, <laughs> is a watch that somebody had engraved and given to Prince Charles, and Prince Charles just took off his wrist and gave it to her. Yeah, Shut they were good up. friends. They were, were very they? good friends. Yes, yeah. She she did a whole bit on that whole lady die. Yes, she, but yes. she was always like she. That's you know, I felt like I was maybe her. Not that I'm a female comedian. I'm not. I can't say that I am mm-hmm. at all. But. I felt like I was her apprentice and she always had something to teach me and she'd always say, okay, my darling, who hates you this week? <laughs> and I would tell her and she'd be like, oh, fabulous. And then go through why it's so great and make me feel better about it. Yeah. And there sometimes there were some jokes that she would make that even I took offense to, but she never apologized. No. And she stayed true to her. I mean, she's the only woman who rocked an eye patch. In a way that is still to this day one of my favorite red carpet looks uh-huh. of all time. I, I remember. I yeah. remember. Yeah. I, of all time. We love our Jones. Do you remember the last time you saw her? I do. What? What? what when was it? What happened? Um, I had had pneumonia for six weeks and didn't know. Mm. Joan knew I was sick, but the thought of missing a day of work with her was just the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to miss it a second because we always had so much fun. And um, we were filming the last episode before she passed and it was we had a rule all of us you don't leave until Joan leaves mm-hmm. she's the first one there we're the last mm-hmm. to leave like if she's not left the building we don't leave the building right it's, it just was a sign of respect that this is how it always was and or and there was a competition uh, between me and George over who because it, it was always Joan never missed one show mm-hmm. the whole time we were taping not one show I missed a couple because uh, I had to film something with Miley in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie I did with Miley in New Orleans, and George never missed an episode. So it was always like a competition between me and him, like who has the who is there the most. And she said, "You are not well. You need to go to the doctor." And she made them let me go home early. And I'm like, no, no. Like, you have to understand, I had a seizure at work, stood up and said, come on. Did a high kick and said, let's finish the show. My God. Like, that's just how, like, your mind was mm-hmm. when you were with her. You just, she, you had to keep up all the time and it was a joy to do so. Mm-hmm. So she said, she made, she called the doctor. She had Sabrina, her assistant, call the doctor. And I went straight from a studio, which the last thing she said to me was, I'll see you next Wednesday. I love you, my Kelly darling. Call me so I know what the doctor said. And I can't, what did she say? I can't, I can't wait to hear your stories next week. 
my beautiful baby girl. And she goes, bye, I love you, my Kelly darling. And I always thought when I was walking out the door, I was like, why did she say bye again? Mm -hmm. And I got taken to the doctor's where he said, would you mind coughing into this napkin? And I coughed into the napkin. And then he grabbed my arm and put me in an ambulance, took me straight to the hospital because mm -hmm. I was so sick with pneumonia. Mm. I woke up the next morning and someone told me that Joan was in a coma. And this was the first time Joan ever had a procedure that she never told us about. Mm -hmm. We would have countdown days, like yeah. five more days to the new phase, or five yeah. more days, three more days. And I can, so for me not to know that this was even something that was even happening right. was like, I'm like, what are you talking about? She wasn't having anything. Yeah. And then to see how it all went down and how disgusting she was treated and what they did to her, mm. I am, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't say any more on that. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was that. Wow. What an incredible, incredible relationship. And the fact that in your young life, you've had so much life in one lifetime. That's I crazy. I mean, I've lost so many of my best friends, so many of my best friends. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, how the fuck am I still here? Mm. I was the asshole. Mm. Like, how am I still here? There's got to be a reason. Yeah, there, there is a reason. There's got to be a reason. That's I a journey. You know, so on my shoulder here, because Joan's number one thing was a bumblebee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they defy the laws of gravity, nature, and whatever. You know, they shouldn't, they're not supposed, aerodynamically, they're not supposed to fly. They're not supposed to do what they yeah. do. Yeah, right, because their body's so heavy. Uh -huh. So I have a oh, gorgeous. white butterfly for Joan. Uh -huh. And then I have a black, uh, sorry, a white bumblebee for Joan and a black butterfly for Amy. Oh, because wow. at her um, funeral, a black butterfly landed on my shoulder. Aww. And I'd never seen a full black butterfly before. And then it kind of ended up being like the two most important women in my life. Mm -hmm. fly, um, fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And the, that's kind of like the message that those two women gave me my whole life. Yeah. So that's why I have those. I still have the bumblebee uh, brooch that me I got. Me too. From, Do you know uh, how many I have yeah. of those? <laughs> Do you have any idea? And I have certain things that she, I mean, Joan all, we had a book club as well. Uh -huh. The last book she gave me was Charles, it's called Charles. It was the life and story of Charles Manson from birth till now. And it was very interesting. There was one called House where it tells you everything, why a doorknob was called a doorknob, why a living huh. room became oh. called a living room. Because she always encouraged people to read. So that's why I said my first book that I got the copy of. It's in my apartment now. I still can't like bring myself to drive it over to Missy's house. Mm -hmm. like, she mm -hmm. encouraged people to read, all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Joan. she, she said, I promised her the very first copy of my book, and I wrote Aww. it to her. So it's going to Melissa. Oh, what? now how did you get to know Amy Winehouse? I was at the Brit Awards in London, and it was right around the first season of the Osbournes. Mm -hmm. And this girl came up to me and goes, oh, you got a great fucking pair of tits on you. You do. Grab my boobs <laughs> and pulled me back into a seat. And I ended up on her lap and we started talking. And then that was it. I mean, cut to, I mean, she lived with me. I lived with her. She was the cent like the center of my universe in London. And it just goes to show how strong friendships can become and the impact they can have in your life. Because I just feel so lucky that I knew the Amy that, I knew, you know, your, the media perception, whatever one else thinks they can think, because I promised her on my life that I would never talk about who she really was to anybody. And I've kept that promise. Mm -hmm. The only thing I was allowed to talk about were her opinions on love. Her opinions on love. Her opinions on love. What, what, what were they different from yours? 
she was just so much more wise than I was to it. And all she wanted to do was show her way of loving. And it, you know, I remember there was this, there's, a, there's a story about it in my book. It's the only thing I talk about her in. And it, um, I went to her this one time. It's like one of the times, like, because I don't think I've ever really been like deep, deep in love, like real love. Because mm. there's a fine love bet- line between love and obsession. But you were engaged mm-hmm. before, right? Once before, weren't yes. you? Yeah. But that, you know, loving somebody and being in love with someone is different. Completely. Mm-hmm. And I went to her over this one guy and I said to her, I just don't understand. And she said to me, that's okay because what you had with him, he will never have with anyone else. So just keep it at that and mm-hmm. be happy that you had those feelings and that you had that with him because even if he wakes up tomorrow looking like Quasimodo, she said, he he still had what he had with you and you still had what he had. No one will ever take that away. And it made me start to think about it like, yeah, no. No, not everything's meant to last. Not everyone's meant to be together. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't take away the special moments that yeah. we did have together. Absolutely. It's better to have loved and lost than to have never, never to loved have, yes. at all. Obsessed, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about love relationship in the book? I do. And my inability to um, allow myself, I think, to fall in love. Now, that's the big one. Now, I know you've done a lot of work on yourself, but how close to overcoming that hurdle are you? I have no idea, to be honest with you, because when you're somebody who people have tried to have sex with because they want to say they've had sex with Ozzy Osbourne's daughter, mm-hmm. it's not really something, you know, it's like I, I put a chastity belt on myself. Mm, mm. So it, but you never know. I like the weird and wonderful in people and there's, outside of the gay community in Los Angeles, you're a bit stuck. Do you mm-hmm. get home much? Um, not as much as I would like to, but I also don't want a um child. I want a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if I was going to have a baby, I'd just have a baby. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not about that, is it? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, Kelly Osborne, the book is called There Is No Fucking Secret. <laughs> it's available now at Amazon.com and bookstores. There's an audio copy of the book also. I can't wait to, to finish it. It looks gorgeous. Thanks. And you are such an inspiration. Talk about, we've watched you grow up on television. We've watched you, talk about a butterfly, evolve into this fabulous businesswoman, evolved Woman, and I'm, I couldn't be more proud to call you my friend. Oh, you're going to make me cry. I'm very, you're, you're amazing. You are a living witness of what a human can do. And I know that there's so much more that you're going to do. Well, if it wasn't for you two queens, it, I wouldn't be sat here. So thank you. That's well, very we're sweet. proud of you, kiddo. Thank you. And you Mich- told me how to stand like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> She's grown up. Our little girl is a lady. She's all grown up now. Look I'll never her. forget it. I'll never forget it. When, who else was there? The choreographer for oh. uh, single. Yeah, uh, uh, Frank Gatson. Yeah, Frank yeah. and Frank. And you go, I heard this dr- <laughs> scream. And I'm like, what have I done? And he goes, you cannot stand like that. And Rue was like, oh, no. And then Michelle was like, honey. And it was like four people like, beveling one foot and getting me to stand my 
Oh. This is how you stand. Yes, yes. exactly. And lady. I've never ever done it since, except for uh, one <laughs> award show where I announced the fact that America had now finally legalized gay marriage, and I'm standing like this. Because <laughs> I was so nervous. And it I happens, Kelly. I was like, Ruth's going to kill me. It happens, baby. It's going to kill me. Oh, my God. No, you're doing great. You're doing great. Well, thank you for being on my our show. Are stuck to places that they shouldn't be. Oh, but they, no, look they look great. great. They look fabulous. Miss Kelly Catrone, I saw them from her show. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Good to have friends in high places, eh? Absolutely. All right, so thank you, Kelly, and thank you, Michelle. Yes, darling. We, I will see you the next time, you my dear. You better dealer. believe it. Oh. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Amen. Hey, hey,